give you the consequences of something, and you guess the cause. It afflicts 70 million Americans and is faulted for 38,000 deaths each year. The condition annually costs the U.S. $70 billion worth of productivity. Teenagers suffer from it as studies show that 64% of teens blame it for poor school performance. Middle-agers face it. Researchers say the most severe cases occur between ages 30 and 40. Senior citizens are even afflicted by this. One study suggests that the condition impacts 50% of the over 65 year old population. Treatments involve everything from mouth guards to herbal teas all the way to medication. Any idea what's being described? Chemical abuse, divorce, some rare condition? The answer may surprise you, but you may relate. The answer is insomnia. America just can't rest. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Spiritual Conversations with your host, Drake Miller. I am so thankful to be back. We have had such a blessed weekend. We got to be in service at the Georgia campgrounds for the hyphen retreat service. Uh, It was absolutely phenomenal. The Lord moved in such a miraculous way. Uh, I I really hope if you were able to be there, if you were in the state, I hope you got to join us for that. And and anywhere you're at, whatever state you're in, uh, whether you have previously known about it or not, uh, there are camps going on all through the summer in almost every state that we have presence in, and and I really encourage you all to get there. If you're too old to attend, sign up to staff, meet the kids, do something there. It's such a wonderful experience, and we have had wonderful moves of God. God is just, God is just moving so so big right now, and I really hope you are a part of it. And wherever you are at, I hope you have had time to be with your friends and your family. Um, This is such a wonderful time of year to do that. So I hope you have been able to do that uh, a lot here recently because it's very important. So for the past two episodes, we've been exploring Psalm 23, line upon line and precept upon precept, exploring the innumerable promises found in those lines of David. Because this psalm though loved by many, is understood by few. It's seen as a funeral dirge, comfort to the dying, a thesis on rest, or maybe even a hint at heaven. But really, it is a proclamation of the Lord as our shepherd. It is a statement that Jehovah is personal. And that was indeed the first promise we explored. To those who have who have let him, he has led men and women from the Genesis to the Revelation. And according to scripture, they are all an example to us. He showed Adam and Eve around the garden, setting them in perfect peace. As scripture denotes to us, the spirit of God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And friend, if you let him, 
it's his utmost desire to walk with you and lead you too. Our great shepherd led Enoch right out of this world and led him to an eternity without end. As it says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And one day, our shepherd, whose voice we will know, will descend from heaven with a shout, and we will rise to be gathered as sheep in his flock. He led Noah right into the ark his own hands had built, shut him in, Scripture says, thus saving him from that untoward generation, thus giving us an example of what we are to do. God proclaimed himself to Abraham as the Lord that had brought him out of the Ur of Chaldees to give him this land to inherit it. God delivered a man by the name of Abram, who soon would be called Abraham, for he is the father of many, out of a land filled with false doctrines and led him to a land of promise. Such will be our story if we allow it and follow God as our shepherd. He was restrained at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah until his ministering angels had gotten Lot and his family out of that city, for the Lord intended on leading Lot to the mountain of God, a high place that he's leading us to. And thus, his and my message today is arise, take all you have, all the souls in your house, lest they be consumed in the iniquity of this place and escape to the mountain of God. He fed Isaac, in a famine, gave him the same promise of a numberless seed should he follow his commandments. He blessed Jacob at Jabok, protected him from his brother, and allowed him to sire a son named Joseph. This sounds like a pretty good shepherd to me. He's ensured these men would not want, and he led them right beside green pastures in the middle of a less-than-green environment. And these green pastures are our topic for today. We'll get to that in a moment. The Word of God says not once but twice that the Lord was with Joseph, leading him from his home to the pit, to the palace, to the prison, and finally to the halls of all of Egypt, where he had the ring of Pharaoh put on his hand, was vestured in fine linen, had a gold chain put around his neck, and it says of him, whatever what was in his hand prospered. And time fails me to tell you of Gideon and of Barak, Samson and Jephthah, David also and Samuel, and of the prophets who, under the shepherding of our Lord, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of a sword, out of weakness was made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of aliens. They did all of this because they allowed God to lead them, our shepherd and our Lord to shepherd them, authoring and finishing their great faith. If you ask every one of them, they would tell you. They were never in want and surely laid down in green pastures because the Lord's goodness and mercy did, in fact, follow them. And friend, these same promises are yours. And it was last week we explored that if you allow God to lead you and be your shepherd, there's no way you can want. Did you hear that? Friend, there's no way you should want. As one man said, lack will not be your problem. If you seek first the kingdom of heaven and follow God with all your heart, all things will be added unto you, even to the desires of your heart. Anything 
Should you surrender to God and follow after him will be given unto you, ranging from peace of mind, joy in your heart, salvation for your soul, eternal life, your earthly needs being met and your storehouses being full. All of this is promised. And out of that comes the next promise. Rest. David told us he makes us to lie down in green pastures. This is a promise that in addition to being our shepherd, leading us through this life on our way to a heavenly home, and in addition to making a blanket statement that we shall not want, he promises that we will lie down and will rest. And at first glance, it's it's baffling how, by this point, we can't just lie down and rest. I mean, we have promises from verse 1 that all our needs will be met. We have a shepherd, and we're not counted as lost, but somehow we, we don't. We just don't. In ourselves, we have no time to rest, is often our statement. If we were to invite an alien to solve our problem, he'd suggest a simple solution. Everybody rest. But we would laugh, get our next refill of coffee, and move on. And along with that, we would roll out our our long list of reasons why rest for our physical body or eternal soul is not an option. There's hard work to be accomplished. There's money to be made, degrees to be earned, and ladders to be climbed. You know, many of us had our parents pray Proverbs 3 and 24 over us when we were children. For the Proverbs says, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, when thou liest down, thy sleep shall be sweet. And in my reciting of that, I just uncovered the real reason why many of us cannot rest. The real reason is not just that hard work. The real reason is not the money to be made. Sure, it's stressful, but that's not the real reason. Degrees to be earned, they come and go. Ladders to be climbed, that's not it. The real reason why we cannot rest is we fear. Though this proverb commanded that we lie down and we shall not be afraid, though it made being fearful something wrong to be done. We still do it. We still are afraid. We remember what we did not accomplish today and what we must the next. Money is tight. The news is bad. Gas is expensive. And we have unreal expectations in our mind for ourselves. And fear will be exposed for not achieving them. It is easy for us, saint and especially sinner, to lie down and not see that he's placed us in a green pasture, but focus on all that's around us. We see nation rising against nation and king, kingdom against kingdom. We hear and or experience great earthquakes, whether physically or otherwise. We experience famine and certainly pestilence, COVID, and those which will come after this, most assuredly. We see the fearful sights and great signs from heaven. The sights wear off on us, and we become fearful. This is true for those who are in Christ, and if you aren't, then your heart surely does fail you, because you are without hope, having no God and no shepherd in this world. On top of that, Luke 21 and 12 does become more personal. 
as we do go through our day and feel the persecuting hand of those around us, we hear the whispering of our enemies conspiring against us, hoping that we will be destroyed. As David once put it, the sorrows of death do compass about us, certainly in the past few years, and the floods of ungodly men can make and have made us afraid. And if this were the end of the story, we would be validated in our fear. Sleeplessness would be the order of the day. But friend, it's not. It's not the end. There's a comfort that I think if we uncover, it will really allow us to rest. Right after our Lord foretells the end of all things, right in the middle, with the description of the horrendous events that will attend the end on one side and the flight of the righteous on the other, there is this promise. It shall turn to you for a testimony. The Lord said himself, whatever it is that is your worry, whatever it is that is your circumstance, what, whatever it is that causes you to be afraid and not rest, it shall turn to you for a testimony. Now that's worth sleeping on. He goes on to affirm us. He does not deny that ye shall be betrayed by, by both your parents, your brethren, kinsfolks, and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. This is more than enough reasons to fear. He even said, you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, and then you'll know the desolation thereof is nigh. He said, for these days be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. He said, woe unto them that are with child and, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and they shall be led away into all nations into captivity, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Though we may be saved from the result of these days, we still live in these days. That's calls for fear. He said that there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars and upon the earth stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. But in the middle of all the warnings and the assuredness that, friend, Life would be hard, that death would reign for a moment, pestilence, wars, fears, and famines would be the menu option of most every day that we live in. He said, to those who have trusted in the Lord as their shepherd and have truly bought into the idea that we shall not want all of this, he said, shall turn to you for a testimony. You shall be triumphant. And on top of that, he said, there shall not an hair of your head perish. Did you hear that? 
friend, please hear me. While you're laying there at night worrying about all the things you've got to get done, worrying about how you're going to provide, where the money's going to come from, what you're going to do about what you heard on the news, what's happening in your family, while you're fearing looking at even the notification on your phone for what it's going to say, you need to remind yourself daily, whatever I'm in, whatever situation I find myself in, it shall turn to me for a testimony. And when it's all said and done, there shall not one hair of my head perish. And we often think that the promise which says he'll make us to lie down in green pastures by default means that he's got to take us somewhere different. We think that the promise that it shall turn to us for a testimony means that we have to wait until the end. We think that us perishing just always means when all is said and done. But the reality is, if you call upon the name of the Lord in your distress, he can make wherever you are a green pasture and and peaceful enough for you to rest in. You may still be saying, Drake, okay, great. So this is wonderful. You know, this preach is good, but so far, you know, you may be thinking everything is 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 attaining to the end, but what about now? What about the here and now? Well, first, those promises you have are for the then and now. The same Christ and Lord which gave us the above promises is the same one who spoke in the Exodus and said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. He said, I will go with thee now, and I'll make wherever you find yourself now into a green pasture, and your situation now can turn unto you for a testimony, and you shall not perish. If you don't believe me, if you don't understand quite how that bed of fear that you lay in at night can become a green pasture for you to lay in. If you don't see how that can happen, let me give you an example. Peter was imprisoned in Jerusalem, awaiting to join the fate of his fellow apostles. Herod, the king at the time, had stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. The only thing which stood between Peter and his death was a holiday. It wasn't just a holiday. It was a holy day. It was the day of unleavened bread. And Herod was going to wait until after those days were over, and then Peter would meet his certain death. And you know what Peter was doing? Peter was sleeping. Now, Let's get the picture. Peter was between two soldiers bound with two chains and was being watched by the keepers of the door. And he was sleeping. How? How could he have slept? He had taken hold of that age-old promise. He allowed God to turn that prison floor into a green pasture. So he lied down. He rested in the confidence that somehow this would turn to him for a testimony and that he would not perish even down to one hair. 
So he rested. Friend, that's an example to us. If you finish out that story, you find he's right. The angel of the Lord came upon him, and light shined in the, in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and said, Arise, up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hand, and the angel said unto him, Gird thyselves, and bind on thy sandals. And he said, And he hath came unto him, Cast thy garments about thee, and follow me. And so he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Did you catch that? Peter wasn't without some trepidation or doubt. He wasn't quite sure all this was true, but it was settled enough in him to believe it. When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth them to the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through the street, and forthwith the angel departed from it. And Peter was come to himself and said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hands of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. It turned to him for a testimony because he trusted in the Lord enough to rest and not worry. It turned to him for a testimony. There was another time when we find this to be true. Jesus, after a long day of teaching, wanted to put his disciples' faith to the test. So he said, let us pass over into the other side, talking about passing over a sea in a boat. And all was well and good until there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship, and it was now full. Before, there was no reason to worry. The Lord was with them, and he had made a promise they would pass over to the other side. But now, with them, just as it is with us many times, the visible storm overtook their invisible peace. Their fear outgrew their faith, and they worried, not rested. They could have taken after the Lord's example, for Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. He understood that his presence was with them, so he rested in that, he understood what he had spoken would come to pass, that they would go over. He understood that nothing shall by any means harm them, and they would not perish. And this storm, too, would turn to them for a testimony. So Jesus allowed the back of that ship to become a green pasture, and he laid down to rest. But the disciples... Now these men had heard some of the teachings of Jesus. They had heard him teach on the kingdom of heaven and his power to both forgive sins and cleanse a leper. But Jesus did not give them just doctrine. He also gave them demonstration. Just by the record of one gospel, namely Mark, they had been called directly by Jesus, had seen him heal many that were sick of diverse diseases, cast out many devils, and even suffer that demons not speak. But despite all of that, Despite the fact that the same Christ who could forgive sins, cleanse a leper, heal a lame man, and teach concerning the, com the coming kingdom was in the back of their boat, they disregarded his example and lost sleep over rain. Sickness had not frightened them. A palsied man was no 
match for the power and the love of Jesus Christ. But rain got to them. But too often we do the same thing. So they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? And can we not relate? We may have many teachings of Christ in our mind. We may have even witnessed demonstration of the gospel with our eyes, but because it is not settled in our heart that what he said will come to pass, we question God with the same thought, assuming that we will perish. We say, Master, carest not that it be so? Now, if you read on, you find Christ's message to the wind, to the disciples, and consummately us, is peace. Be still. Peace. Allow that stormy ship that you're in to become a green pasture. And he asked, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He asked them because he understands fear is what steals our faith. So with us, how is it that we often, too, have no faith? Though believing in our mind that the Lord is our shepherd and understanding theoretically that we shall not want, we refuse to allow him to turn our situation into a green pasture and lie down. We forget so easily his promise that we will pass through the waters and they shall not overtake us, that he shall give us rest in the time of storm, that not one hair of our head shall perish. We trust him with our salvation, but not our provision, like I said last week, and even down to our rest, we try to do it ourselves. The reason this happens is because these God-given promises, my friend, are not settled within us. So if they are not settled within us, they cannot be accessed to feed our faith. That's why right when the Lord told us that all things will turn to us a testimony, that we shall not perish, and he said colloquially that he will make us to lie down in green pastures, he also gave us this command. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts. When we settle, all these promises in our heart, when we allow what has come into our head and passed through our eyes to be written in our heart, our knowledge becomes wisdom that we live on, and our wisdom then feeds our faith and starves our fears, thus restoring to us rest. That's why the beginning of Proverbs 3 says, Forget not my law, but let thine heart Keep my commandments, for then length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Is this not what he just said? Peace, be still, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Settle it, he said. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not 
unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths, and he will direct them to green pastures, ensuring that you rest and you not perish. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health unto thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Later on it says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Not just knowledge, but wisdom settled in the heart. I hope you get this today. It's got to be in your heart for you to actually live on it. And the man that getteth understanding is also happy for the merchandise merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver for we know that he that loveth silver shall always want and the gain thereof is better than fine gold she's more precious than rubies and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her length of days is in wisdom's right hand and in her left hand riches and honor can you see that if you seek first the kingdom You'll have length of days, riches, and honor, all this in Jesus too. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. There's those green pastures again, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life unto them that lay hold unto her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her friend. We would do well to settle what we've learned in our heart. Let the promises we know, the promises that we've read, that I've recited, let those in the demonstration that we've seen become as wisdom settled in our heart. Here it is now. Then, then, when we have settled all this in our heart, Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid, because it's settled. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. All I can hear is he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked, when it cometh for the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken the lord said not one of you not one hair of your head shall perish and it shall turn unto you for a testimony you want to know how to lie down and not be afraid but lie down and have sleep that shall be sweet settle the lord's commandments Settle the Lord's promises and the Lord's salvation, both in time and eternity, in your heart. Settle it, my friend, because if you do, you will have the Lord as your shepherd. You surely shall not want. You will not be afraid, but will instead have the faith that all this shall turn to you a testimony, and you'll have rest you'll be able to physically sleep better when your heart is settled in the promise of God. And I cannot leave this episode without telling you this one thing. I understand that you and I are citizens of a culture of fear. Epidemic this, pandemic that, economy crashing, jobs failing, men's hearts 
failing them, all being ubiquitous fears that morph into panics that steal our rest, our joy, our peace, and our faith. And there are some of you listening even now who see cataclysm at every turn, whose life is mapped out by one tragedy to another, and your lifestyle is a lifestyle of fear, anxiety, worry, stress, and panic. And it doesn't help that there are voices in our society that are chronicling not just personal travesties, but community-wide horrors around the clock. It's possible through all this that we might miss a truth of which God went to great pains to warn us that has eternal consequences. When on the Bible's last page, headlining that list of horrors and lifestyles that are sufficient to sentence us to a lake of fire, it's not the abominable, it's not the murderers, nor the whoremongers, it's not the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, but the headliner. The thing at the top of the list that will send us to a lake of fire is fear. That means fear is a heaven or hell issue. And the reason this is so is because it's a slap in the face to God, which says all those 365 times you said in your word to fear not was for everybody but me. It says to God those promises which say, when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle it upon thee. It says that all these promises are strong enough to save everybody but me. Friend, it is worthy to us and a charge for us to settle it in our heart, that all those lines of promise from God are sufficient for our day and our life and our circumstance. We should be confident that he will turn every experience we have into a green pasture, thus allowing us to rest, that we shall not want when we allow the Lord to be our shepherd, but we will have the desires of our heart, that we shall not perish, but have everlasting life, and all things indeed, both now and then, will turn to us for a testimony. When we've done this, when we truly have this mentality in our heart, we will walk through life knowing we're troubled on every side, but not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We might get cast down, but we're not going to be destroyed. And when I see all these things happening. When trouble and perplexity and persecution and cast down is my lot in life, then I'll know, per my shepherd, (laughs) I can just lie down and rest and then look up, he said, as my redemption draweth nigh. Friend, I hope this helps you get rest. We'll cover fear in a later 
episode more completely when it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear. But I felt like it needed to be handled now because fear is what really steals our rest. And friends, I know we're all tired. Our minds are tired, our bodies are tired, our souls are tired. We, we, we feel like we're supposed to just drag in hoping and praying that all of this wraps up soon or else we're not going to make it. But friend, when you lay down tonight, allow that bed of worry you lay in to become a green pasture of rest. I hope you're blessed this week. I hope you have peace and joy. If you have a home church, I pray you and your church are so blessed this week. But if you don't, I would love to extend an invitation to you out to Restoration Apostolic Church, 110 Moores Grove Road, Winterville, Georgia. If you don't have a home church and you don't live near here, please reach out to me. I'd love to help you. Summer is a great time to start doing all that. I hope you have a great week. And until next time, thank you and be blessed.